parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. This is the word of the Lord for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Alicia, and thank you, Ron, for sharing your gifts of music with us. If you've been here at United Church over the past uh, many weeks, I have preached over the summer months a series on the parables of Jesus in the New Testament, and I conclude uh, that series today with a message, of course, as uh, you may have uh, figured out from Pastor Kathy's children's sermon uh, on the mustard seed. Let us pray. Wise and loving God, may the words of my mind and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you today and always. Amen. Some years ago, I remember taking my son to the Naples Zoo. And as we strolled alongside of the alligator exhibit, I noticed that there was a teenager with fancy new basketball shoes and the latest of basketball apparel who was walking nearby. And on the front of his shirt in great big bold letters was a phrase that you have probably seen walking around yourself. Go big or go home. And I thought about that phrase and how true it is of our culture and of our society. I mean, if you are in politics, if you can't draw a big crowd, then you just give up and go home. If you are a business person and your business doesn't grow, you better sell the company and just kind of go home. If you're socializing and you're not rubbing shoulders with the big boys and big girls, well, then you just don't go to the party and you just decide that you're going to stay home. If you like to follow a certain sports team and that particular sports team city doesn't raise enough money for the sports team to stay there, well, then you've got to move the franchise or just kind of go home. We all know this to be true of all of life. It is a mantra that is just simply part of our culture. If you don't go big, well, then you might as well go home. Everybody knows that. Everybody agrees with that. Except for one person I know, Jesus for as we walk back into the parable of the mustard seed today, we remember that Jesus taught his disciples to go small and to trust in God. Walk back into the parable with me. Once upon a time, Jesus said to his disciples, uh, the kingdom of heaven was said to be coming. And heaven would be like a mustard seed, a man who plants a mustard seed. That mustard seed then begins to grow into a plant and then into a larger plant into eventually a tree. Once the seed grows into a tree, birds from everywhere come and have a place 
to find some shade underneath its branches. And as Pastor Kathy taught the children, mustard seeds are indeed very small. There are somewhere between 725 and 785 mustard seeds in one gram. So there are 28 grams in an ounce, which means that mustard seeds were the tiniest of seeds. But over in Israel, a mustard seed would grow from being very, very tiny into a tree, a mustard tree that was perhaps 8, even 10 feet tall. And part of what Jesus is wanting to teach the crowds here is if you want to be part of my kingdom of heaven on earth, if you want to be part of what it is that I'm teaching, then you must have faith to engage the small things. For when you do that, God will multiply your efforts. In more ways than one, the parable of the mustard seed presents challenge and hope for all of us to hear it. The challenge is just that. The challenge is to live in accordance with Jesus' teaching and to have enough energy and faith to do the small stuff in a world that is, if you don't go big, you better go home. For we live in a world where we look around us and we see all the big, enormous challenges and things that are happening, and we kind of at times take a psychologically defeatist approach. Well, if I can't go big, well, then I better go home. Uh, perhaps we think about the wayward generation that is uh, growing up, and we say to ourselves, well, if the generation is just that wayward, if I can't do anything big about it, then I ought not to try. Or we turn on the television and we watch what's going on in Washington, D.C., especially this week on both sides of the aisle, and we see that there is a big level of dysfunction, and we say, well, if we can't really go big with what we want to do about it, then we might as well just kind of go home. Or we think about all the big and violent problems in our world, and we just say to ourselves, well, you know, we really can't go big and solve them all all at once, so maybe I just won't do anything about it. I'll just go home. Do you ever find yourself with that kind of uh, psychologically uh, defeatist mentality or attitude? I know I do. Uh, just some months ago, I recall uh, watching on television, for example, all of the destruction that Hurricane Dorian did in the Bahamas. And I was looking at the big-time destruction that I saw on television, and immediately that defeatist voice in my head said, well, what will my one small check do? And I almost didn't even give to the offering, because if I couldn't go big, I just was tempted to go home. I was reading some years ago the story of a missionary, and her name is Katie, and she grew up in Belmont, Tennessee, and she wrote a best-selling book entitled Kisses from Katie. And she left an upper-middle-class uh, wealthy home after high school to uh, work in an African orphanage for many years where she adopted many African children. And she was telling the story of uh, this adoption of African children and all the children in Africa that needed a home. And she was thinking about all of the children that she could not help. And what was so hard about her missionary work, she said, was that when she was helping the one or two kids that came her way, she felt as though, and I quote, she was emptying the ocean with an eyedropper. I mean, if you can't go big, you just have to go home. Or let me put it a slightly different way. 
was reading a devotional some weeks ago, and it was talking about our small acts of kindness and how important they are. And the writer of the devotional uh, came up with a rather astute, uh, witty one-liner that I would share with you that I think was quite good. He said this. He said, our greatest threat to being the good Samaritan is the pressure we put on ourselves to be the great Samaritan. Let me repeat that. Our greatest threat to being the good Samaritan is the pressure we put on ourselves to have to be the great Samaritan. And so often when we consider all the big problems and challenges of our world, we do just that. We say if we're not big enough, if we can't do anything great, then why even try? Why even attempt to be good? I mean, if it's not big, I might as well go home. That is the challenge of this parable. Jesus speaks to us a word of encouragement about going small in a world that is absolutely fixated with going big. But let me share with you also the hope of this parable. The hope here is that God does not remain on the sidelines after we go small. The hope of this parable is that God can take that which is small, a small act of kindness and a small act of faithfulness, and will multiply it from seed to plant to tree. It often gets said of God in Scripture that God is the great multiplier. God can take just a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread and what could amount to what you could fit in a lunchbox and can feed thousands out of it. In much the same way, God here is saying back to us through Jesus that if you are willing to go small and have faith and trust that your small acts of kindness and goodness will make a difference, well, then I will be faithful to you. I will partner with you, and that which is small might just grow and multiply into something big. A couple of illustrations that I stumbled across in my sermon preparation this week. A story of a man who became the chair of a missionary organization in Atlanta, an evangelical mission that was, um, uh, focuses on sending uh, small Bibles to remote places all over the world uh, so that the scripture can get in the hands of people who live at the corners of the earth. And he was sharing a story about why he got involved in this mission in the first place. And he shared that when he was five years old at the church, the church had a pen pal program uh, with uh, young students who lived over in India. And one day, his Sunday school teacher invited him to send a little Bible with a note in it to his pen pal uh, child over in India. And he did this. Well, some 25 years later, it was uh, recorded that uh, a missionary was over in a remote place in India and an entire village of people had become uh, Christians, but the faith had yet to really spread there through any one individual. Well, it turns out that the village had gotten their hands on that Bible and on his small Bible that he had written a little note in with misspelling uh, was now worn in red by many different people. He just went small and put his trust in God. Or another illustration that is uh, close to home to many of us here at United Church. Uh, this past week, I was emailing back and forth uh, with many folks on the Bargain Basket Committee and with Samantha Copran, our Bargain Basket Manager, 
about celebrating the 45th anniversary of the bargain basket in 2020, 45 years of ministry on Marco Island and how we were going to do that. Well, I remembered once again how the bargain basket got started. It didn't start in any big way. It started when four women from the church decided one Sunday after worship that they were going to sell garage sale items in the trunk of one car. Three Sundays later, they sold garage sale items in the trunk of two of their cars. And two months after that, the four women sold garage sale items in the trunks of all four of their cars. It was first a seed. It then became a plant and then a larger plant. And now, as folks are well aware of, it is a great big tree. But it didn't start big. It happened when someone had the faith to go small. And God took over and did the rest. I'm not surprised that many of the difference makers over the course of history that we know of uh, often go back to this mustard seed concept as an important one. Mother Teresa, saint in the Catholic faith, was famous for saying, if you can't feed a hundred people, well then feed just one. Helen Keller is famous for saying that the world moves along not through the mighty shoves of its heroes, but through the tiny pushes of each honest worker. Go small, said Jesus, and trust in God. One of my favorite Christian authors, his name is uh, Fred Craddock, and he talks about the Christian life and all of the small acts of faithfulness and kindness that are required for those of us who follow Jesus. And he says that oftentimes as Christians, we kind of mistake that the Christian life is like God giving us a $1,000 bill. And then we have to go back to God and put that $1,000 bill on the table and say, here I am, Lord, here is all of it. But Craddock said the reality of the matter is that the Christian life really isn't like that. It's like we present that $1,000 bill to God and God says, I want you to go to the bank with it and exchange it for quarters. And one day at a time, we put a quarter in. A small cact of kindness here, a volunteer hour there, a phone call to a friend here, something nice for a family member there, a small gift here, a small word there. And the Christian life really does happen one quarter at a time. If we're willing to just go small and put that quarter in. When the parable comes to conclusion in this text, it's interesting to note what happens at the very end here. Jesus says that after a seed is planted and it grows into a plant and then eventually into a tree, uh, birds come and get to roost and benefit from the shade of the mustard seed. And you may or may not know this, but scholars are quick to point out that Jesus here is actually extending a prophecy from the Old Testament that speaks of these birds. It's in the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 4, verse 21. And when you go home this afternoon, you can look it up. And Daniel was prophesying about God's control or dominion over all of the universe and people everywhere. And Daniel likened the people of all nations to birds who were able to roost underneath the glorious shade and control of God. So these birds in the parable here that Jesus speaks of, who are they, you asked? 
Many of the scholars would argue, and I would rightly attest that they're right, that the birds are me and that the birds are you. For the very shade that we experience in this sanctuary this morning, the love and protection of God did not come because Jesus did any one big thing. Each one of us is here this morning because Jesus corralled a group of 12 uneducated teenagers from small fishing villages and taught them to put their quarter in. And so they forgave one person here, and they healed a sick person there, and they embraced the outcast here, and they included another person there. They made one small gift here. They shared a prayer with another person there. And one by one, little by little, the kingdom of heaven on earth spread from Asia uh, down into different places of the world, and eventually down 75 and on 951 to where we are. As one scholar uh, rightly put it, the subsequent history of Christianity proves the mustard seed parable to be true. For we are here today because of those 12 uneducated teenagers who had the courage to turn their backs on the go big or go home philosophy of Herod and Caesar, and they loved God and they loved their neighbor one person at a time. And now all of us birds are benefiting from the shade of those who have gone before us. I'll close this morning with a reference to a story that uh, many have been reading about uh, recently in the Marco Eagle. I read a story about it uh, yesterday. Um, it seems that unfortunately red tide is uh, back in southwest Florida. And the red tide is stretching everywhere from Gordon Pass uh, all the way up to Bonita. And the article I read in the Eagle uh, online uh, yesterday was speaking about how many fish have unfortunately been washing up on shore on uh, Key Waden Island uh, just to our north. And I was thinking about those fish that were walking up, uh, washing up on shore, and I, I got to thinking about uh, that story that uh, we Christians tell one another uh, so often, but we can't tell enough, uh, the story about the starfish washing up on shore. Remember that story? Once upon a time, there was a young boy who was walking along the beach, and many a starfish had washed up onto the beach. And the young boy was trying to do his little bit and little part to take the starfish and to throw them back into the ocean so that they would uh, live longer. Uh, and as he was walking along the beach, there was this older man who was walking behind him, and he caught up to the young boy, and the older man had, you know, one of those defeatist attitudes, kind of a go big or go home mentality. And he pointed out to the young boy, the miles of beach and stretch of beach before you is very, very long. And the number of starfish here is great big. What are you doing? And the young boy very respectfully just took another starfish, threw it into the ocean, looked back at the older man, and said, sir, but I made a difference for that one. One starfish, one check to the Bahamas, one Bible to a pen pal, one trunk of a car, one quarter, one small seed. If you want to make a difference, 
and bring more heaven to earth, said Jesus. Go small and trust in God. As we prepare for communion today, I was reminded that in John chapter 12, Jesus was preparing for his death. He knew it was imminent.